0: Take your Bibles tonight and turn to 1 Samuel 26. 1 Samuel 26. We are now in the midst of what I like to call the roller coaster chapters of David's life. You say, What do you mean by that, Pastor? I mean that David was human and that the Bible very clearly pours out to us as you walk through 1 and 2 Samuel, really uh 1 Samuel especially the end of it almost every other chapter is a different place in David's life he's either at a really high point in his life where he's trusting God or he's at a really low point and depressed to the point where he just wants life to be over all right have you ever been there where life just feels like a roller coaster Now, God doesn't want us to live that way. Can I make that clear? God wants us to be able to live consistently while life on the outside is going to be like a roller coaster as far as what life throws at you and what God allows in your life. Let me give you some some highlights of what we've already gone through. Chapter 21 was a very low point in David's life. As he was unwise, he, he started lying to people. He started lying to the, to the uh, priest there, Ahimelech. And he took uh, the sword of Goliath that, that was used there to, to cut off Goliath's head. He took that, he put it in his sheath because he was running from Saul. And he thought, well, I'm running from Saul. I'm going to go right into Gath, right into the place where he killed the giant. Uh, that, that's where the giant used to live. He was from Gath, and 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 that was very unwise of him. He ends up turning back to the Lord. Then at the end of that chapter, acting like a madman, and the Lord delivers him out of that. And but it was a tremendous low point in his life. In chapters twenty-two and twenty-three, we see a high point in David's life, where God's protection is now back on David and he has a victory over uh, over the Philistines that are trying to attack Keilah, and he, he rescues the men there. Another high in chapter 24, where David spares Saul's life. He says, I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed, and he's trusting God. Chapter 25 then, a low we saw last week where David tries tries starts to take things into his own hand. This man Nabal, who he's been taking his 600 men and, and guarding them day and night. Uh, Nabal says, I'm not going to feed you guys. And David says, okay, uh, get you up. Let's, let's take 200 men, stay with the stuff. Let's take 400 men, let's go kill this guy and all his all this stuff, all of his family. And what does Abigail do? Abigail, Nabal's uh, wife, she comes and she says, let that iniquity be on me. And we saw that, that beautiful picture there last week. Nabal was a wicked man, as we saw last week, that came from the house of Caleb. He had a godly heritage, but that godly heritage was not preserved in Nabal. Uh, Whereas Abigail, we saw, she did not have a godly heritage. She had a wicked husband, but she didn't let that stop her from obeying God and what God wanted her to do. And so, just really... A quick challenge from, from the recap of last week. doesn't matter if you have a godly heritage or not. God's still tr- trusting that you're going to trust him. And, and, uh, and it's not going to stop you from, from doing what's right in his eyes. Chapter 26 now is going to be another high point in David's life where David is going to again spare Saul's life. He's going he's, he's gonna to pass a test that, that tempts him to kill the Lord's anointed, Saul. Let's look at verse 1 together. And the Ziphites came unto Saul to Gibeah, saying, Doth not David hide himself in the heel of Hekela, which is before Jeshamon? And Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000 chosen men of Israel with him to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul pitched in the hill of Hakeah, which is before Jeshemon, by the way. But David abode in the wilderness, and he saw that Saul came after him in the wilderness. David therefore sent out spies and understood that Saul was come in very deed. And David arose and came to the place where Saul had pitched, And David beheld this place where Saul lay, and Abner the son of Ner, the captain of his host. And Saul lay in the trench, and the people pitched round about him. Then answered David, and said unto Himelech the Hittite, and to Abishai the son of Zeru, brother of Joab, saying, Who will go down with me to Saul, to the camp? And Abishai said, I will go down with thee. And David said, So David and Abishai came to the people by night and beheld Saul lay sleeping within the trench and his spear stuck in the ground and his bolster. and But Abner and the people lay round about him. Then said Abishai to David, God hath delivered thine enemy into thy hand this day. Now therefore let me smite him. And I, I pray thee, with a spear even to the earth at once, and I will not smite him the second time. Abishai says to David, Hey, it's not going to take two blows. I'm going to get him the first time. You don't have to worry about it. God's put him right here. You can, you can take him out right now if you wanted to. David's seen this before. He had the chance, and he cut off a piece of, of Saul's skirt and came to Saul and said, do you see what, what, what's here? I have not sinned against you. I could have killed you. And here, God is working in David and, and testing him yet again. But this time, this test applies to more than just David. You know, As people, we don't necessarily like testing, do we? Unless it's maybe a driving test. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure you will. But, but as testing, sometimes we can get nervous. Sometimes uh, it's nerve-wracking. Sometimes it's downright uh, uh, annoying when it brings out our weaknesses. When it exposes things that are there. And God brings and designs testing for specific purposes in each one of our lives to help us see that we need him and that we need to access his grace. So tonight, very specifically, what I want us to, to see in David's life is that we can access God's infinite grace not only for ourselves, but for others around us when we're in the midst of a tribal, trial. David is about to spare Saul's life yet again. And, and we're going to see that he not only trusts God for grace for himself but he's going to trust the Lord for Abishai the one who's right next to him who he needs to lead to that and he's even going to trust God's grace for Saul who's totally against him in this moment let's pray and then we'll jump in Father I do pray that you would show us Lord how to pass the tests in our life Lord it's only by your infinite grace and Lord us accessing that Uh the, the grace that you freely give. And so, Lord, would you show us uh, where we're not doing that in our life tonight? And, Lord, show us how to do that practically. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing I want to see tonight is David's com- confidence in, in his God's ability and grace. Look at verse 9. And David said to Abishai, Destroy him not, for who can stretch forth his hand... "...against the Lord's anointed, and be guiltless." David said furthermore, "...as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him, or his day shall come to die, or he shall descend into battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointed. But I pray thee, take thou now the spear that is in his bolster, and the cruse of water, and let us go." So he says in verse 9 there, David says, Hey, listen, if you tr- do this, there's th- you're not going to be guiltless. This is, there's consequences uh, for taking things into your own hand. And by now, David should, be, should know that there are consequences that come when you take things into your own hand. He's seen it in Saul's life over and over again. But he says in verse 10, Furthermore, as much as the Lord is alive, as much as the Lord liveth, he can, the Lord can take care of him. He can smite him. He can choose what he wants to do in, in killing him right there on the spot. He could choose in his own grace to allow him to die a natural death. And that would be totally right of the Lord to do because it's the Lord's grace that's going to take care of him. Or have him die in battle. Whatever God's grace should choose to do, David was on board with it. You see what I'm saying? And David knew that Saul was truly a believer, who was turned away from the Lord. Back in First Samuel 11, you know, in the glory days of Saul, when Saul was trusting God and he was winning the battles, he was fighting against the Ammonites there, and he totally destroyed them and gave praise only to God, he was trusting the Lord there. His heart was turned towards God, First Samuel chapter 10. And here, David knows, he says, God can take care of a believer who, who is erring. Do you remember we talked about that on, on, on Sunday morning? For those of you that were here, in John chapter 15, when we're not abiding, the Lord has his gracious ways of dealing with us. He either taketh us away or he purges those. So those who are not bearing fruit He taketh away for those who are bearing fruit. He purges so that they can bear more fruit. In fact, let's turn there really quickly. I just want to review just with this being a parallel to John chapter 15. I wasn't planning on doing this tonight, but the Lord brought it out in the text, and I don't want to miss what God's doing. In John chapter 15, we saw on Sunday, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit... He taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit gods that's the husbandman doing the work, that's the father doing the work, and in his grace we saw that the, that, that phrase taketh away" is the word "iro," and it can mean several different things, uh, two main things uh, in English now. They didn't translate it wrong here. Okay, get that. They didn't translate. It It can mean take it away. It can also mean lift up. So you say, why why are there so many, why are there two different things that God can do? You know why? Because it's up to his grace. It's up to his grace. God can, Iroh, take someone out of the way if they're not bearing fruit. And God can lift them up. To, to get more nutrients so that he can, he can rescue them. And all this time, God has been working in Saul's life through the voice of David coming to him and giving him chance after chance to turn back to God, giving him chance after chance to, to uh, come back to fruitfulness. But he hasn't taken any of those chances because he hasn't turned himself towards God and because he hasn't turned himself towards God, he will never turn himself and fully be right with David. So let's go back to 1 Samuel 26 now. And David is resolving to Abishai here, hey, listen, we can trust God to deal with other people. We can trust God's grace to be able to not just keep us safe, but we can trust Him to deal with, with Saul however he wants to do it. He says, Abishai, I don't know how God's going to do it, but I know God's going to take care of it. So now in verse 12, we see the providence of God puts a deep sleep on Saul and his men. So we, saw, we see David's confidence in, in, in God and his, his ability and his grace. Secondly, we see David's confrontation of Abner and Saul here. Look at verse 12 with me. So David took the spear and the crews of water from Saul's bolster, and they gat them away, and no man saw it, nor knew it, neither awakened. For they were all asleep, because a deep sleep from the Lord was fallen upon them. Then David went over to the other side, and stood on the top of a hill afar off, a great space between them. And David cried unto the people, and and to Abner the son of Ner, saying, Answerest thou not, Abner? Then Abner answered and said, Who art thou that criest to the king? And David said to Abner, art, thou, art not thou a valiant man? And who is like to thee in Israel? Wherefore then hast thou not kept thy lord the king? For there came one of the people in to destroy the king thy lord. The thing, this thing is not good that thou hast done. As the Lord liveth ye are worthy to die, because ye have not kept your master, the Lord's anointed, and now see where the king's spear is and the cruise of water that was in his bolts bolster. David says, Hey look, look what I have. Look what should not have been taken uh, under your watch when you were asleep when you should have been guarding the king, and we won't see a lot of it here but Notice the word, uh, the the name Abner. He'll come up again here uh, throughout the rest of 1 Samuel. And that someone he says, "...someone could have killed the king on your watch." And now Saul enters into the conversation recognizing, hey, wait, I can imagine Saul wiping the, the sleep out of his eyes. That's David's voice. Verse 17, "...and Saul knew David's voice and said, "'Is this thy voice, my son David?' And David said, It is my voice, my lord, O king. Notice that David still has a respect. And it's something that's never ceased. David's not... It, he, 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 Saul's not his enemy. He's not fighting against flesh and blood. He, there's, a, there's, there's something else that, that David knows... And, uh, and and that is that God can fight His battles here. Verse 18, And He said, Wherefore doth my Lord thus pursue after His servant? Why are you doing this again? For what have I done, or what evil is in mine hand? Now therefore I pray, let my Lord the King hear the words of His servant. If the Lord hath stirred thee up against me, let him accept an offering. But if they be the children of men cursed be they before the Lord, for they have driven me out, of this, out this day from abiding in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, Go serve other gods. Now therefore, let not my blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord, for the king of Israel is come out to seek a flea, and when one doth hunt, and when one doth hunt a partridge in the mountains. So David says to Saul, Why are you chasing me again? We've done this already. We came to an agreement that you're not you're not going to do this again. I spared you once, I've spared you twice now. And then in verse 19, David says, he says very clearly, if the Lord has stirred thee up, if the Lord's in this, then let God receive an offering for me. If I have truly sinned against God, then you should allow me to make an offering to the Lord. And let's put God's blood on this and let's put this behind us. But Saul's not, uh, the Lord's not the one stirring him up about this. And, and so he, he is the one chasing, chasing David. And David says, Saul, I am so inconsequential to you. I'm like a flea. Or, a, or if you're searching for a partridge, a bird in, in the mountains, I am so small to you. And then notice what he calls him in verse 20. For the king of Israel is come out. He says, listen, you're the king. You are God's anointed. And and he's trying to bring him back, bring him back to to really what, what God's call is on his life. For right now, you are the king. You can end well again. Saul in verse 21 says, Then said Saul, I have sinned. Return my son David, for I will no more do thee harm, because my soul was precious in thine eyes this day. Behold, I have played the fool and have erred exceedingly. And Saul is going to say some nice words again, but he's never going to get fully right with David because he never gets fully right about his disobedience to God when Samuel was alive. And so. When Saul tells David, return, return, I'm not going to do you harm. David's like, I'm not sure if I want to believe you at this point. David does show him, show one last thing from, from a life that accesses grace that I want us to look at here tonight. David's commitment to God's character. David's commitment to God's character. Look at verse 22. And David answered and said, Behold the king's spear, and let one of the young men come over and fetch it. The Lord render to every man his righteousness and his faithfulness. The Lord's going to take care of this. The Lord's grace will, 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 will handle this situation. For the Lord delivered thee into my hand this day, but I would not stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed. And behold, as thy life was much set by this day in mine eyes, so let my life be much set by in the eyes of the Lord, and let him deliver me out of all tribulation. Then Saul said to David, Blessed be thou, my son David, thou shalt both do great things, and also shalt still prevail. So David went on his way, and Saul returned to his place. David shows Saul the proof. He shows him the spear. He shows him the cruise of water. And, and no harm has come to Saul once again. And the beginning of verse 23 shows that David's commitment was to, a God, to God's infinite grace, taking care of the situation. In verse 25, Saul speaks good of David and says that, David, you're going to do, you're you're do amazing things. You're going to do great things. And I almost wonder... Like Saul knows that David's going to be the king at this point. He has said that to David in the past. But I wonder sometimes about how Saul is thinking. If he's thinking, you know, because you're trusting God, you're going to see great things in in your life. But I know what's going on in my own life, and I'm not going to see those kind of miracles anymore. I wonder if he's thinking back to those golden days of his, uh, of just when everything was simple and he was trusting the Lord and following the Lord and winning battles and giving the glory to God. We don't quite know what's going on in Saul's mind right now, but he knows uh, this is a totally different Saul that we're talking about now. The one who's seeking after David's life every single day. And yet, with that all happening, David passes the test. He passes the test for himself. Of, of accessing God's infinite grace, that supernatural enablement that would go against any fleshly desire that he had to be rid of an enemy. You, you have him right in front of you. And you could, you could knock him out right now. all right? And, and he says, no, I'm not going to do that. He, so he takes the grace. He accesses the grace for himself. He accesses the grace for the guy in the trench right next to him, Abishai and says, hey, listen, you're come, come with me. This road, this road of grace, this is the road that God wants us to take. And then he accesses the road even for Saul. Saul, you are the king of Israel. You are God's anointed. You are the one that, that, that God wants to still use. I'm going to ask you tonight, have you passed those, that test in your life? As God is bringing you into trials You into tests. Are you passing that test by accessing God's grace? You might not have 3,000 men sleeping at your doorstep waiting to kill you. At least I hope you don't. (laughs) But I'm telling you tonight, we come across different challenges in our life, different trials that God allows to happen in our life, and different opportunities that God wants us to access His infinite grace. And when we choose not to take it, we, it's like tying our own hands where we can't do anything else. We can't do anything else for God because we want to hold on to uh, our, our sin, our bitterness, our anger, whatever it is. In that situation, God says, I want to free you. I want you to, I want you to be able to access all of my grace and we, we sometimes say, no, I, I think I can do this better myself. So will you pass the test that God puts before you? Are you practicing that daily? Accessing His grace? You say, what does that mean? Okay, it's His supernatural enablement to do what you could never do yourself. To love that neighbor. To love that person. To do good to that person. And, and are you trusting Him to do it daily? God wants to do that through your life just like He did in the life of David. And you say, well, loving someone who's trying to kill you every single day is a little bit of an extreme example. It's God's extreme example. And we should take note of it tonight. That if God's grace is big enough to keep David from wanting to kill back or wanting wanting revenge, then God's grace is much, 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 big enough to take care of anything that we have any single situation in our life god's grace is big enough it's infinite it's matchless and as paul says it's sufficient for every single thing in our life let's pray and then we'll we'll take some time for prayer here tonight lord thank you that your grace is much bigger uh, than we can ever imagine it's sufficient for every single person in this room uh, Lord, to the point of overflowing, and it never runs out. And so, Lord, would you uh, give us that perspective that David had. And, Lord, uh, even though our lives are, are human just like David's, we can, we can experience that grace. We can experience your love. And uh, even experience it to the point where it runs over and it affects other people like it did in, in David's life with Abishai and even Saul. So, Lord, would you do that in our lives tonight? And even in our lives now as we go to prayer, Lord, would us accessing your grace to pray uh, flow into how we pray and into the lives of others as we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.